0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Triangle Squared. I'm your host, Brett Beck.
1: (laughs) Brett, your voice has gotten very different. I mean, it's like your lisp is almost completely gone.
0: Yeah, well, I I thought it would be a little tasteless for me to try and imitate the lisp. (laughs) But um, no, we decided that with a new generation of video game consoles, we would have a new generation of hosts for the spoiler chats. So I'm going to take the hosting duty as I am Chris Figgs and you are Brett Beck. Correct. that is factual that, yes that is the truth that is the right way to go about this yeah
1: let the record state
0: <laughs> so we are covering the playstation 5 and playstation 4 game spider-man miles morales this week it's
1: only a launch game for one
0: it's a launch game and a capper uh i guess <laughs> not actually horizon or god of war might be the capper not this one but yeah it's interesting that it's kind of a launch and maybe a death nail on one console Brett, how did you feel about Spider-Man Miles Morales?
1: So my quick kind of overarching thing here is that I went into this game having expectations that are set specifically by the few qualms that I had with the first game. yeah, And really hoping that they would be able to address them and get over them. And I'm happy to say that I enjoyed the game. Yes. I knew I would. There you go. But at the same time, it's a mixed bag between fixing issues that I think the last game had while not fixing others and even introducing a few things that I think, I okay, I won't say introducing. I think bringing light to issues that are going to be a problem for the series moving forward, depending okay. on how they choose to stay faithful to the character. That'll be for later in the discussion, but I, I really enjoyed it.
0: I have a feeling I know uh, where you're going with that one. I really liked it, too. I think I had less problems with Spider-Man 2018 than you did, from what I remember in our little conversations.
1: Yeah, mine's not massive. A lot of it comes down to just basic pacing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not to reiterate, if you've listened to Sol and I's original uh, impressions, you know, spoiler cast that we did on it, a, a lot of it came down to the use of side characters to try and change the pacing which i understood that was the point of dropping to someone like an mj or even in that game miles morales yeah but by nature of the game already having what i would consider pacing issues for the peter parker segments Mm -hmm. then what you do is you just bring the game further down to where i felt like every time i was playing one of those scenes specifically mjs i actually thought that miles Mm -hmm. two or three moments were stronger and a little bit more varied yeah so yeah but that was something that going into this game i was very keen to see what they learned from the first game at least as far as i as a player was concerned yeah and maybe even curious because one of the things that's interesting about games is this feeling that eventually they've got to be done. And I have a feeling that something about Miles Morales was like, well, there's some benefits that we have from the way that this game is going to work out, but also we want this to be ready for PlayStation 5 launch. Yeah. So there was always going to be a time limit on this game for sure, and how long you had to make it. So games are always a story of trying to nail down a reasonable release date while also trying to manage what you want from the game. And sometimes you realize something too late and you're like, well, it's not the worst thing, but it could have been better without it. But we don't have the movement to change that now. We're too far and we've got to stick with it. Yeah. So so I always like to see in sequels what developers even on their own thought mm-hmm. could have been fixed, let yeah. alone
0: what fans thought. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting in this game where it felt like they were trying to do that less. But even in this game, there's one scene where I think being out of the spider suit works. And there's one towards the end where I thought it almost destroyed the pacing, even though I understand what they were going for. But that's just me. So, Brett, did you play the PS5 or the PS4 version? Played the PS5 version. You did play Um, the PS5 version. We both
1: I thought it was interesting in this game, and I'm not, it's clearly not what they would have done. Sure. But going into PS4 Gen, they didn't quite do this either. But when I think about the Vita, and back when the Vita was hitting with PS3 games, that you would pay for one, and you would just... Get the other. Well, really, it was if you paid for the PS3 mm-hmm. version, you got the PS4. So actually, I'm I'm down talking my own point now that I realize <laughs> it. If you bought the Vita version of a game, you didn't get the PS3 one. But if you bought the PS3 game, you got the Vita one. Now I guess that is a little more apt to what's going on here because if you buy the PS4 version, you get the PS5 version. Right. But if you buy the PS5 version, you do not get the PS4 version.
0: Which is weird.
1: It's a little odd. I ultimately understand it, but when you're bragging backwards compatibility as a big thing here, it just feels like there's no reason you couldn't break down and be like, well, I want to go and hit triangle and switch to the PS4 version of the game just to compare
0: and contrast. Yeah, or I'd like to get another Platinum. I guess the weird thing for me with that, and this is not a PS5 breakdown, although I do think we'd be remiss not to talk about the brand new console that we've played our brand new video game on. Oh, yeah. But I think it's weird that they're inherently making PS5 games less valuable by doing that. You know, it doesn't, it's the same thing with Watch Dogs Legion, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you know, Madden, all of these games that have the, you buy up and you get the PS5 version. It makes more sense to buy up the PS4 version. And you'd think they'd want to be selling the PS5 version. If I could buy the PS5 version and give my brother my, I guess I can't do that, but if I could buy it and then go get another Platinum on PS4, I don't understand why you're not doing that for me, you know?
1: Yeah, if they're not a mixed trophy list. Uh, I think that's a cool bonus thing. I also just like the general thing of what better way and it's interesting that PS4 players have this ability to kind of do this. Mm -hmm. But what better way to kind of really see what the PlayStation 5 offers than to be able to easily switch between the two versions of the game, which is a platform level function. You can go to the game, hit start and say which version do you want to play and you can switch it from the PS5 Mm -hmm. version to the PS4. And I love that. I think that's a really cool situation. Yeah. And why not have it to where if there are separate trophy lists, you have the benefit of being able to get the platinum twice. Of course, yep. you've got to do the work twice. Yes. But at the same time, I think it's just cool to be able to ha- be able to go in and say, okay, I just want to see how Miles Morales has changed from the PS4 version to the PS5 version, and it would be cool, and I actually think I would play it on PS5 first, do all that, and then afterwards go back and see how the PS4 version looks in comparison. Right. Just to kind of ogle at the excuse me at the technicality of it all but I think the other hidden benefit of that functionality being a base level for every cross-gen game is that if the PS5 version or the PS4 version whichever one is having issues or crashing or bugs or whatever but maybe the other version isn't for whatever reason that maybe you can flip through and still play the game like for example I know that you and I had a lot of issues with the playstation i won't say a lot but we had issues with the playstation 5 version yes that interestingly enough my friends who were playing miles on ps4 still due to just ps5 being so hard to get had none of those issues now whether they're on the system level or the game because of the way they chose to push it up is hard to tell but it would be kind of cool if it if we could go and say the ps5 version is crashing or doing this weird glitch or bug let yeah. me switch over to the PSV, ps4 version and if it's more stable i have the power as the person who bought the game to go through and at least have a version that's more stable for me so it's a cool hidden benefit at the same yeah.
0: time i guess you kind of segment weighed me pretty nicely into talking about the we can praise miles morales all we want but i think we have to talk about how it broke consoles <laughs> broke hard drives like the game was crashing over and over again and they had those... I actually thought this was kind of funny, but there there is that video going around today of just a trash can swinging through New York City because the character models got swapped. Yeah. And, you know, there was someone else who mentioned a scene where... In the
1: story, and this is just so funny, in the story you're not supposed to have the Spider-Man suit on because you're supposed to be playing as Miles, Mm -hmm. but the game never took him out of the suit. Yeah, it did that. So he's sitting beside this person who's like, I hate Spider-Man. He's (laughs) just just as Spider-Man like, yep. Yeah,
0: fuck that guy. Um, Yeah, no, I I had that issue once too. I think it was coming back after rest mode, which apparently I was not supposed to do. Uh, It would leave Miles in the suit so you would just be doing whatever you stopped doing and but it would still be in the suit so sometimes like you know that you'll have those little interstitial scenes where you're in miles's house and he jumps out the window um, and then suddenly he's in the suit. Yeah, there would be some times where I would do that where he would jump out the window in the suit already, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see the exact inverse of that where you're in the suit and then you go
1: out on the... <laughs> and then you're just swinging around the city as Miles.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do wish... I don't know. that. I guess we could segue. I don't know that there's too much stuff to talk about with the, the bugs and issues because um, the only one I had, I think I would talk to you about it, the exact same side fight froze... Five times to the point where I had to restart the, the PS5. But other than that, I had no issues really with it. I just think it's important to mention. Was you know? it
1: the last of the combat training things?
0: No, it was. I think it was the upper west side bunker where you have basically that like giant fight. And I would get like halfway through the fight. I, I tend to lean on the triangle to, to zip at someone and f- punch them. So I would do yeah. that and it would just stop and it would be frozen in mid-animation. I'm like, okay, cool. Would it hard crash your console all the way down? No, it would just stay there, so I had to reset it myself. Okay,
1: interesting. Yeah, it was just annoying. Yeah, my issues were a little less, thankfully. It was kind of a mixed bag of you know, typically there's this conversation around new co- new consoles about how you don't buy day one because there's bugs. Yeah. And that's traditionally never been an issue for me. You no. Know? My my dad's launch model PS2 that we had as kids, his launch model PlayStation 1 that we had as kids all worked. And actually, I still have the launch model PS1. I had the launch model PS2 until my brother stole it. Uh, and then I have okay. my launch model PS3 that still works perfectly. My launch model PS4, um, I know who has it, still works perfectly. So... It's not a thing I've dealt with. PSP, my launch model, PSV, the launch model, Mm -hmm. all worked perfectly. I've never had those issues, and yet, here we are. It kind of struck me that I played through Astros with absolutely no problem, and then suddenly, I start Spider-Man, and in the intro, when the cops pull up as the RAF soldiers, you're fighting them, the cops just came in, and the whole system just froze. And I was (laughs)
0: like, huh. interesting." And then it
1: hard crashed completely down, and I had to rebuild Database and all, all that stuff. So, it... Scared me yeah. a little bit, and then it worried me just for me to find out that it's seemingly just this game. Yeah, I've not had a single crash out of Godfall. I've not had a single crash out of Bug Snacks, out of any PS4 game I've been playing. astros hasn't given me problems. Demon Souls hasn't given me problems. So yeah. very interesting and a little disappointing for what I think was ostensibly the biggest launch game
0: yeah ps5 i think unless you were a hardcore souls guy this was the game you were buying the ps5 at launch for right yeah you weren't buying it for bug snacks even though it was my most anticipated launch game and i haven't played it yet so i want to get into the game obviously but i do want to ask since this is the first game we're talking about the ps5 how do you feel about your ps5 i love it yeah (laughs) and i'm glad that the experience I had with My-
1: with Miles Morales crashing the few times that it did, and just generally having a few issues, mm-hmm. it sounds like
0: I actually had less than you in the long run. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah, um, it was weird. I only had the issues in one spot.
1: I I love the system.
0: Yeah, no, the system is really good.
1: I think the one disappointment for me in early days, since we're going to do that quick PS5 thing, is we're already seeing that not all developers treat the Dual Sense equally. Yep. And Spider Man Miles Morales is actually a pretty weak showcase for the dual sense
0: yeah i'm surprised there's not more in miles like i'm surprised there was no like you have to pull these wires out and use the tension of the dual sense something to just show it off i felt like there was a lot of opportunity yeah there definitely was and the big worry with i don't want to call it gimmicky stuff because i think this is more than a gimmick but that's kind of stuff in in new generations of consoles is that they never end up lasting the touchpad is just a giant button. The PSP Two has a excuse you. I, you know what? And in some games, it's four, which is the problem because <laughs> <laughs> none of this makes any sense. Yeah, no, I wanted to just hit on the PS Five quick because I think it, it's it's important to talk about. It's cool. We're we're in a new gen. This only happens once every six or seven years, and. I'm not on another video game comp podcast, so I want to talk about the PS5 on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I really hope just going back to those gimmicks real quick, or as people say gimmicks, you know, because
1: I ultimately don't think they are either, but you're right. They end up falling by the wayside, sadly, and we know that to be the truth because. PS2 and PS3 had pressure-sensitive buttons mm. to where games, certain games, very few sadly, were built around that. Metal Gear Solid being a series that used it where you would hold the button to aim just lightly. And then when you put more pressure on it, you'd actually shoot. And that's a, that's amazing. It actually creates a way for controllers to not have to add more buttons but give buttons more functionality. Yeah. And it also helps with issues with button context problems where a game relies on the same button for too many things but if you can <laughs> rely on the same button but at different pressures it makes it easier yeah and it's a, it's a shame to see that very few games actually ended up utilizing that a lot of people didn't even know it was a thing if they didn't play those games and sadly the dual so- shock 4 and DualSense now neither have it and yeah it's a it really is a shame mm-hmm. that i think there are genuinely great ideas and I think the touchpad's one of them. As you just mentioned, it's cool that you can suddenly add four buttons that have dedicated functionality that may make sense within the game, but it may not happen on enough games for it to ever be something that people really recognize, and that's a, that's a shame. But we can move off of PS5
0: specifically now if you want to. So I guess we'll get right into Spider-Man. What were the big differences that stuck out to you from this one to 2018?
1: So I should say, if it wasn't clear, Everything we're talking about is PS5. I don't want anything that we say to not be true of the PS4 version, but I don't know that. Yeah. I assume that even the PS4 version is at least some kind of an upgrade over the 2018 version. Yeah,
0: we should say, I guess because I didn't do it at the beginning of the show, is we are A, spoiling Spider-Man, Miles, or Alice. We will almost definitely spoil Spider-Man 2018. I think if you're listening to this, you should have played 2018, and you should have played Miles, because they are... Mm -hmm as continuations of the same story but then yeah like you said we're we're talking about the ps5 version because we were both lucky enough to get ps5s
1: yeah so anything we talk about in terms of gameplay and presentation gameplay is i'm not worried about yeah they're pretty much going to be the same outside of you know care inputs like we talked about with the little bit of dual sense functionality that's there Mm -hmm. but on the presentation side you know seeing what the console really does i think the big thing i noticed immediately as soon as the game started that little nice title card immediately you get to see two different types of hair and with the new strand system that they're doing for the hair where it's actually individual rendered strands for the ps5 version in particular i like that you get to see miles hair which is more coiled you know a tight wound knit hair and you get to see what that looks like contrasted against the fur of his coat's hood yeah and you get to see that actually kind of go out with a more natural straight and thick overlay it looked really good and i think between that and the intro doesn't show necessarily everything but between that fine detail on stuff and just seeing how much more texture detail is there like again on ps5 he has the headphones on and you can see fingerprints from where he's been touching the headphones and it's a small detail but i really like it (laughs) so
0: that's that's insane
1: yeah so that and teeth were a really big immediate thing i'm a little disappointed to see that new york doesn't look visually that different unless you have ray tracing on because Mm -hmm. it's I guess I get it. It's a testament both to how good the 2018 was able to pull off New York. Yeah. But it's also a little bit of a thing to show that maybe if you pulled it off that well, there's a little less places to go without something like ray tracing. Right. The only other thing I really noticed that I don't remember from the first game, which would be interesting. I'm curious. I don't remember seeing like rats and bur- oh, birds were there, but I don't remember seeing like rats and squirrels as often or at all. I don't. The 2018 one, whereas so. I on multiple occasions was like, "That's a rat," <laughs> which is nice because it's New York. <laughs>
0: <laughs> New York and their rats. Um, well, we're not talking about baseball, so we can move off the Yankees. Um, <laughs> the problem with this gen is that we're not seeing like the crazy graphical upgrades. So until I went back and looked at what what Spider Man looked like on PS4. I didn't really notice much because it's it's all very subtle. Like you you look at it and you're like, okay, this game does look really good. I and mean, then it's for me especially I would get to this point where I'm like, I'm tricking myself. This doesn't look that much better. I'm telling myself it does, you know? Yeah, like it's a placebo effect almost. Right. You know, I had that with Wasteland 3 where I booted that to see the load times, and I'm 95% sure they were the exact same and it looked the exact same, but in my head I was like oh, it's so much faster and it looks so much better. I don't think it does.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because <laughs> specifically with all these games, right? The PS4 games are weird because if you install them directly to the hard drive, the I mean the external hard drive, if that's how you brought them over, yeah. then you're not going to see a bit. You're not really seeing a boost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> But you, no, you're right. And you touch on something that I think is really interesting about new generation hardware is that there is both a mix of – Trying to manage your expectations and also trying to look at things in a realistic sense because you're naturally so excited that your excitement brings things to a new level. Mm -hmm. Now, I think Spider-Man was interesting because I started with Astros and I think Astros really set my expectations for PS5 because not only did it look fantastic, even though it's a simple platformer, I think it also really set my expectations of the DualSense. And then coming into Spider-Man, I guess it felt to me like I could tell in some ways that Spider-Man was both still gorgeous and looked really good and clearly a good showcase for what the system could do, but at the same time, I think I had the reverse of you where you have the aspect of where it's like, oh, it looks so much better because it's on the PS5 and it's running quicker. Like The load times are an immediate improvement that you can
0: definitely yeah, that's feel. that's not even... We didn't mention that. And that's a huge thing. This game boots yeah. so fast.
1: Yes. And then fast travel is basically instant. I mean, literally you hit it, the screen basically fades black and then fades up to where you're going. And I actually didn't really use fast travel all that often Mm -hmm. in the first game because I didn't find it to be that useful due to the way loading works. So I think with this generation, we have fast travel that's worthy. Finally, so that's cool. But yeah, I think the opposite thing I had about you is I think I kind of go went into it with the mindset of knowing it's crossed in, so being a little more scrupulous of looking like what is that? What is this? And then really. What I liked about that is I think it did give me more appreciation for when I felt like something genuinely looked like I would have remembered if it was this great looking on PS4. Yeah. And that's why I think I messaged you on Discord and was like, dude, the teeth look ridiculous in this game. They do. And they do. They, and it was I noticeable. know for a fact that that was not on PS4
0: to that degree. I'm not saying that the, the teeth clearly didn't look bad. It's not like I was like, ugh. No, but they stood out. This is going to sound weird, but this game has teeth Uncanny Valley. I
1: think it has eye on Candy Valley. I actually think the teeth sell me pretty well. See, I
0: think all of the people in this game look like they're on the verge of, te- on the verge of tears. Um, their eyes are just so wet. It's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. The teeth looked good. It was just there's one scene of Miles at the end, and he's smiling and doing his dancing. And you had mentioned that the teeth stood out to you. And mm-hmm. all I could see was his teeth, like... A little bit out of his mouth because they just they looked very good i don't know how to explain it it's the depth that they bring
1: in and i yeah. guess that's probably what it is is that like if you don't hit depth just right on a se- on a specific scene it could mm-hmm. fail to pull you in but i think more often than not it's what led the game to looking very cinematic and certain like between hair and teeth which i do think are the two most immediate improvements yes it was pretty wild seeing you know, it's a Spider-Man content. So there's always going to be a dinner scene. So in the dinner scene, I was looking at everybody and that's when it really started hitting me heavy of like, wow, you have four different people with four very different types of hair and all four different types of hair look distinct to me which was not the case on ps4 right so that was really cool and then seeing the teeth and then i think there's that part of me in the back of my head that was always like what happens when they're not held back by the ps4 oh man were they held back by the ps4 and all those questions yeah
0: and we'll we'll see it when spider-man 5 comes out and we're
1: co-op spider-man 5 Um,
0: (laughs) spider-man 2 uh, and we're co oping through that in the streets because that's what I think that game's going to be. We'll talk about that a little later. And going back to how good the game looks, though, I would say there are some scenes at the end of the game legitimately look like real people. Mm-hmm. Like there's one scene of just like Miles is back in the Spider-Man suit after he got all torn up, and he's just standing there. And the way the lighting looks, I'm like, man, that's a real dude. <laughs> that looks yeah. better than the freaking Marvel movies.
1: I actually think that there's multiple points in this game where I thought the real time rendering looked better than the CGI that I've seen from like the worst bits of CGI from Definitely. Black Panther
0: oh well <laughs> yeah there's that whole underground train scene is got off of CGI
1: yeah <laughs> so it's interesting seeing that a lot of the times and I think it's you know it's post processing effects which for those who aren't into what makes a game look the way it does. One of the big things about both The Order and Spider-Man and a bunch of games this gen about what makes them look so filmic to you in a lot of ways is post-processing timeline. It's like things they do with motion blur, things they do with how they end up bringing in certain levels of focal depth and if they can hit it just right, then you get like a bokeh effect, which we as humans just naturally view as making something feel more present and in our focus which gives it more depth which makes it more believable so all of those things coming together I think the PS5 offers a lot of ability for that but that's one of those things where being able to toggle back to the PS4 version would be amazing because I just want to see and I may even do that out of curiosity I want to go see if someone's done a comparison side by side of the dinner scene on PS4 and the dinner scene on PS5 so that you can appreciate not only the detail of the rendering of hair and teeth and all that, but I wonder skin detail. It looks like subsurface scattering, which is something that makes light hit skin and bounce a little bit further so that it actually takes up more of the face and spreads it to look realistic. It looked a lot better in this than what I remember the PS4 version of 2018 looking. Now, whether the PS4 version of Miles looks that way is a—it's uh, harder to tell. So that's why I think I wanna go look at that just for sheer appreciation of how they've either improved their engine or how the PS5 has given them a lot more room to crank these effects up a lot further.
0: Yeah, I guess the best thing I can say on that topic to um I was listening to a, another podcast today and one of the co-hosts was saying he his roommate was playing on PS4 and he's playing on PS5 and you don't notice the difference in video necessarily because it's all being pumped through 4K anyway. But mm-hmm. he was saying in person it looks like a PS3 game versus a ps5 game you know where it's it 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 blew him away how different it was
1: and i you know we talked i said that i felt like new york didn't look enough different but i think the one benefit i'll give it is while new york didn't look a ton different to me the level like you can see more of new york and of course the way it looks when you're swinging through it's like miles looks so much better within the context of swinging through it
0: Mm -hmm. i'm glad you brought back the new york thing because i had a thought on that where this entire franchise is going to have to reckon with that problem of New York doesn't look any different because he's called the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man for a reason. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see what they do to change up the environment that we're in. Cause we're going to be in New York for probably all of these games. Right. So that's
1: what I brought up earlier about.
0: It was one of the complaints I had in that just because it's a
1: parallel, one of the things they tried to do to make it feel different though i don't really think that it succeeded all that much i felt the same way if anything i actually think it was worse in this other franchise but the batman series i know you didn't play arkham origins but arkham origins used majority of the exact same map from city and it just covered it in snow but there was a lot less detail within the world so it was kind of like since it wasn't the same developer it was an even worse example, but the problem is is that you feel like you're going through the same area you just did, and open worlds are not fun to revisit multiple times. So this game has to kind of deal, or the series rather as a whole, has to deal with how much they want to stick on allowing Spider-Man to only stay in New York. Do they want to find a way to artificially expand more of where you can go to like the immediate surroundings that you can see when you're swinging around but you can't get to and that you can see on the map or if they want to try and introduce what i think is one of the few really important and really good moves i think that marvel made with far from home and that they found a way to take spider-man out of new york but without making it feel like he's permanently out of new york And you have to kind of balance with that. You know, I think this game, interestingly enough, you have this saying where Peter goes out of town due to a vacation. And the interesting part is that I doubt the next Spider-Man game will do it, but they technically have the ability to be like, here's what happened while Peter was out on vacation. I know they won't actually because there's a line where he says to Miles, they're talking and Miles asks him if he had to don the suit at all. And he mentions that Sable ended up doing everything. Yeah, So, it's just, yeah, it's a disappointment because it made the game naturally feel, and it's a, it's something I always knew it was going to have to do, but not only from length, but it, other things, it felt like glorified DLC. Not that I have a problem with that, because I really enjoyed it, but it didn't feel like a sequel as much as I was hoping for.
0: I guess that's the difference between us, is I didn't go into it expecting a sequel at all.
1: Nor did I, partially because of the price.
0: Yeah.
1: But... It made me worried for what the real sequel is going to be. If this is what you did with New York on Miles Morales, you're bound to New York. What do you do to change New York?
0: Well, I guess I said that, but I actually do have a decent idea where if the next game, you know, we'll save it. We'll table it because I want to talk about Spider-Man 2 a little bit later because there's obviously a teaser for that. I guess the last thing to really talk about with the gameplay and presentation before we kind of introduce our cast of characters is the suits that is a giant thing for this franchise and I think I know the answer but what suit did you play the game with? <laughs>
1: <laughs> kind of accidental, but also not. I played the entire game up until the final boss fight with the Spider-Verse suit and the mo- in the mods that both made it look the way it should so i did the vibe the verse mod which gave it the animated on the twos thing yeah and then the one that gave you and i can't remember the name for it the visor mod that let you occasionally see the pals and whatnot yeah, i was a little disappointed backs. that it didn't occasionally throw out a thwip
0: yeah when you were swinging around i was thinking that same thing it's like was that the your favorite suit i mean i would assume obviously cause you didn't switch off but
1: I think it's probably my favorite suit because of a ton of emotional attachment to that movie. Yeah. And I think it was really novel seeing, and this is also something I really appreciate about the presentation. Real-time cutscenes are just amazing. And I love it so much because they allow you to do things that I think help immersion a lot in where I can have my suit on and I can be in the Spider-Verse suit, which completely changes Miles' every his proportions everything his fingers are longer his arms are longer his waist is skinnier and yet the game still accounts for that on a technical level and shows him in that suit with his mask off where you see the juxtaposition of the cartoony comic book shaded suit against the very realistic skin and tone of everything and i appreciated the hell out of that because going into the movie or going into the the game rather i was really worried that they were going to end up giving that as an option but forcing you to be out of it and the 2018 game had the animated suit but since i got it after i beat the game i was unsure if it forced you out of it in story cutscenes or not and i'm assuming from this it did not
0: yeah i don't think so i played a lot of that game with the animated suit but with this one, I stuck to the Crimson Cowl. That was my favorite suit. There was something about the... Maybe it's the graphical fidelity where I felt weird using a suit that wasn't a skin-tight suit, you know? It's like a weird hang-up Fair. I had with it.
1: I could see that, and I noticed there was a lot of uh, hooded options in this game, yep. which actually... I really like. Another thing I really liked about that was that they accounted for that in scenes to where, like, I beat the game wearing the... 20 uh, 99 suit yeah which i thought was really cool and when the post credit scene where he's talking to peter the hood is down is it okay that's cool i didn't notice that yeah and i was like oh that's really nice so another suit that i really loved and spent a good section of my uh post game playing with was the end suit and i think we'd both be remiss to not mention what i think in the long run ends up being my favorite suit of the whole game from a more originality standpoint which was the Miles
0: Morales 2020 suit yeah the Miles Morales 2020 suit was incredible I spent the vast majority of my new game plus playthrough because we didn't mention both of us platinum the game so we did it all we know this game front to back yeah but I did a lot of my new game plus with that but then I got to a point and I did this in my first playthrough too where I started to feel uncomfortable not using the suit I was supposed to use you know where i ended up playing all of 2018 in the white spider suit and then i did the same here where i would i would use the crimson cowl when i was out of it and then a lot of the times when i would go to missions i would end up switching back to the mild suit for the game interesting it felt more it just feels more congruent to what insomniac designed you know
1: yeah i guess that i think from the fact that they anticipate you to like have this suit and And it's weird because it would often take you out of the suit you were in to put you in a new one, which I'm never a big fan of, actually. I I think if you're going to give me the ability to put a suit on before you're supposed to give me a suit, then just don't let me change suits until afterwards. I agree with that. I, I had the same problem in Batman recently where I played with the Batman Beyond suit, and then whenever at the very beginning you get the new suit for that game, it just completely changed it. But thankfully... And this is where I think it goes into what I look at Insomniac having designed, is I think Insomniac designed clearly that the game was always intended for you to be able to control what suit you have and when. Maybe it'll change the suit for you because it's like a story moment that you're supposed to change in it. But I like that you can change your suit from the menu within the game. Whereas Batman, you had to completely exit your playthrough and change your suit and then reload. And that to me speaks volumes about what they view the suits to mean to the character and versus what batman and the arkham designers thought suits meant for that character
0: yeah you're not wrong in the slightest it was more just like it felt weird being in an animated uh, suit in the middle of a cutscene. so it just felt better i thought
1: it would and then it wasn't and i think that's what blew me away more than anything is that
0: something about their rendering pipeline made it work oh i guess i'll have to give it a shot because i i like the other suits it just For some reason, I just felt like I have to be... I want to see the story the way that they designed it. And to me, they designed it with that suit in mind.
1: Yeah. There's so many animated suits, though, that I find it really interesting that that's clearly something that they went into the game knowing they'd have to deal with.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of one of those things where, like, I know a lot of people will, you know, make their... I guess a better way to go about saying it is every character I make in a character creator has to be attractive. I don't have a good reason for that. It's just it feels better to play. Like I don't want to play this uh, like a green-haired joker character in Dark Souls. I'd rather play like a normal-looking human being, you know? And that's kind of the same way I feel here where I I would rather it be congruent to the universe than not, I guess.
1: I understand. I mean, I don't know cuz I ended up playing a lot of 2018 with the animated suit as well cuz I just thought it was so interesting seeing those two now. To your point, what I would really like for them to do, but I think it's maybe a little bit harder, but I would really love to see it, is essentially for you to create what um, that's happened both times now with the Demon Souls, I mean the Demon Souls remake and the Shadow of the Colossus remake, to where photo mode lets you choose filters, and then under the filter that you choose is an option for you to keep it active during gameplay, and I would love if they could create basically like Snapchat does filters and stuff like that for you to be able to have the world rendered, and actually a good example is Uncharted 4. Uncharted 4 had a filter that you could put on and leave on to play the game on that made the game look cel-shaded, but it made the characters and the world look cel-shaded. And I would love if for the animated suits, there was a filter that made the world look animated along with it in a sense of where it kind of gave every outline like a little bit more of a scratch outline to it to where, or maybe even like a thicker outline to where it looks like the outside of, like, the animated suit um, from Miles Morales, the one that's black and red, not the one from the Spider Verse movie. Yes. I because I mean. just feel like it would be really cool to be able to do exactly what you mentioned play the game to where the suit feels <coughs> even more at home. I was surprised at how well, how much the suit to me did not seem out of place. That probably boom even the animation being different when everything else was smooth yeah i thought that i would have a little bit more of a like whoa and it didn't i was genuinely surprised and i don't know if it's just because of the way that their rendering comes together to make that work or if it's just a mental thing that i thought i was going to have an issue with and didn't it's uh interesting to say but one thing i noticed that you didn't mention that i think we'd be remiss not to talk about uh, in terms of gameplay hit me is specifically the gameplay and how they changed up things. And this was a good thing. They leaned into the power sets that miles has at hand to actually get something that feels by nature different than what we dealt with in 2018, which I actually think is a problem that the, again, you're going to hear me draw a lot of comparisons to Arkham because they are very similar games in the regard that, This game clearly follows the combat system that is a more refined and unique version of the free flow combat from Arkham. And naturally Arkham being one of the first superhero games to come out and really make an open world and stuff like that. It had a lot of impact on what people did. And I think most designers would probably say that the Arkham series, the most designers on Miles Morales and Insomniac Spider-Man in general would probably say that there's a lot of inspiration pulled from the Batman games, but the, Thing that i think the batman games always had problems with is that every game kind of felt similar because you're always playing as the same batman whereas miles morales being pulled in you have the ability to go well miles morales actually does have different power sets and we can have miles yeah. have venom power and cloaking and it ends up working out in a sense to where peter feels unique and miles feels unique and I really appreciate that, because I think that the introduction of leaning something else for you to build on with your combos and fill up your Venom things, and then leaning on that in the gameplay mechanics, as well as the camouflage, which I think went into the very refined stealth sections in this game, all came together and coalesced into a game that felt familiar but different.
0: I agree with that, yeah. So I think the last thing we should really get into before we actually move on into story would be... Some of the side content, like the, the side uh, the side missions, some of the collectibles. I guess we can start with collectibles because those were quick. I think the only one of any really co- real consequence was the secret postcards. How'd you feel about all that that stuff?
1: So, I mean, ultimately, I think the collectibles in these games are fine, but I think the problem I naturally have is that they feel like they're just fodder for me to swing around and find which i know is ultimately what they are it's like hey we're going to give you interesting reasons to explore the whole city look at what everything that the artist did and just generally get to play more swinging around as the character but i think the problem that i have with this game and side content is actually very much in line with the first game and it's that again i have to draw a comparison to arkham (laughs) I think that the Arkham series has always done a better job at bringing in for side content and not just main story, bringing in other villains and letting you feel like you're living within that world for a little bit longer while you see everything going on. Whereas this game and the first game both have the issue of, let's take it even outside of Arkham, right? Just so I can have an example that I think is a better example and i think did more with it so the infamous series infamous second son actually had the same problem to me as both of the spider-man games now have had to where all of the side content is just going around and clearing districts out by finding collectibles and just essentially beating up all of the outposts in the area (laughs) yes the problem i have with that comes from having a sheer lack of wanting to build your world outside of your main story. Whereas both infamous, not both infamous one and two infamous two specifically and the Batman games both have the thing where side content has actual sub storylines and you move through them and there's something really going on. Whereas Spider-Mans are basically collectibles for a reason just to get you to swing around with the exception, like you mentioned of the postcard system. And I think that was because it gave them the ability to touch on Miles's loss of his father, touch back on something that we had with the first game. And I think it was a little bit more of an emotional pull than most of the other content is where it's like, I found it really disappointing that this game chose to have all of these different hideouts that you could find the underground tech in. And yet there's no consequence to that. You would occasionally find one where you'd open it and then they'd be like ransack you and kind of surprise you and attack you, but it was just normal people. And then when you get to the end of it, you get a suit for it. Yeah. But you didn't really do anything for it. I thought it was a really big shame that they didn't find a way to tie another Spider-Man villain that's maybe a little bit smaller and wouldn't take necessarily the primetime role, but find a villain to come in and have a reason that why he's attached to those things and why he maybe wants to get this tech too, and he's trying to kind of fight with you to get it. And then when you get to the last one, you end up having to fight him. Or you could take it to where there's you create another, you move a villain into the underground and they end up being one of the chiefs or something, or in relation to working with them. And then to get the final piece, you have to actually do a boss fight and do something interesting to earn that. And I think that's where these both of these games have failed and giving me a reason to want to do side content because 90% of it isn't very story content driven. This game still does it better because both the postcard system and the system where you go around and you find the Prowler's audio spots and you learn a story about the dads from there. Yeah. I think both of those are better examples than what we saw in 2018. So it looks like they're at least on the up and up. But I was really really bummed that the only quest line that went anywhere much like the first game 2018 you have tombstone he's the only extra villain and it's at least you get a boss fight out of it the only thing you get here is not not even that sadly you get a hologram version of the vulture yeah (laughs) and it just felt like a waste of putting me in spider-man's world but putting me with none of his villains outside of ones we already saw in the first game and they have to be in the main story instead of being like oh Two-Face is robbing banks. He has nothing to do with our main story, but if you want to go fight Two-Face, you sure can. (laughs) It's it's cool. Or even like in Arkham City where you can hear the phones ringing and you pick them up and trace them down and you end up finding Victor's ass and you have to fight him. Mm -hmm. Those are cool ways to introduce and make you feel like you're seeing other people that are part of that world because the reality is... And all of these games, they try to pretend it here where it's like other crime happens outside of the crime that's making the main story move on, but they focus too much on that here to where there can't be other stuff going on. And that's just such a shame because I think that these games could be set up. Okay, This is interesting because it's actually another game that I think did a little bit better. Both Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, the video games, as weird as that is, were better about bringing in other bad guys through side content than this series has been. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame.
0: I mean, I think the problem with doing any Spider Man villains in this game is that this isn't Spider Man. You know what I mean? Like, it is Spider Man, but it's not Green Goblin Spider Man, you know? So it's hard yeah. to. It would be. It, I feel like it would be kind of odd to use any of the more well known Spider Man villains to do this. And I think the problem you run into with the lesser known villains is that it ends up being just a different looking guard you know in a lot of ways well
1: i think that's all about how you write the situation around them right
0: that's fair point
1: a good example is that in infamous 2 there's a side quest and i'm trying to remember it's been quite a long time since i played it but it's a side quest where you're following around this guy who has been altered into like an ice beast yep and he was originally a guard, but you learn more and more about him and you end up getting a story based around who this very normal person was that ends up making him more interesting than any of the piece of side content from this game, including, interestingly enough, the dad and the stuff, because it's all passive content. It's like you basically getting an audiobook out of all of those. And it doesn't mean that there's no value there. And I'm, I like them more than what we got from the 2018 game for the most part. But it felt like it was in the moment. And again, it was set to make the world feel more real outside of this. It's like you're tracking down, you're finding those and then seeing what's going on with somebody that has nothing to do necessarily with the main story, or at least the, like in, has a huge impact on the main story, but it still allows you the ability to kind of expand your world and make it feel more lived in. And I think both versions of New York feel decidedly less lived in than a PS3 game than a bunch of ps3 games actually and that's a shame i i guess i agree with you that if it's not if it, if you want it to be that it's not peter parker so that the villains need to be different well they're both spider-man to an extent you know they're both spider-men but if you're wanting to keep from doing that then why do you have me fight vulture it just feels like it's not in line with itself if that was the reason i think the biggest shame is that in the long run to me it ends up feeling like i would enjoy this game genuinely just as much if it was just linear,
0: yeah, I guess the problem with that in this game is that uh, as we both found out, a linear version of Miles Morales is about two and a half hours long, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, which that brings me to the pacing thing, you know, and that's ultimately part of the story too, but I guess the reason I bring that up is that pacing in both games felt dropped to me because of the fact that they go, oh, I've got a break here. Even though sometimes I don't think you had a break. This game's better about trying to explain it away. Like, Hey uh, uncle, what do you got going on? I'm busy right now. Let me call you back shortly. And he's like, well, I got to wait for my uncle to call me for what I'm needing him for. So I have time to go screw around this game. Tried a little bit there, but I think both games, since they take pockets of the main story where they won't let you progress until you do a side piece of content, ends up feeling weird to me because it's like, you're trying to push me off to do side content that's not that compelling.
0: Yeah. This one did do it better than 2018. 2018, it was a lot of like, guess I got to go do the Spider-Man because that's what they know me as, the Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> did you want to talk about any side missions before we moved into the story?
1: I guess the the, the problem is, is that, that I did. Yeah. Like what what is there? What, realistically, tell me, what what is there that that actually has any real there's a little bit. You learn a little bit more about the underground by clearing out their caches and you learn a little bit more about Roxxon by clearing out not not the caches, I'm sorry. Their their bases. You learn a little bit more about Roxxon yeah. by clearing out their bases, but not through character, just through yeah. recordings and someone telling you, "Hey, they did this thing." Show don't tell.
0: Yeah, I was I was more Referring to the bodega cat and some of the stuff with Gloria, but none of that stuff was really important to me. You know, I felt well, it wasn't built on. Yeah, right. Spider Cat just what it is. Spider Cat just existed to give me a meme suit. You know, that's all it was. It's cute. I like the very suit. Cute. Yeah, the yeah. Spider, and cat my wife loved part.
1: it whenever I did a finisher and, and the, the cat, cat came out and punched. It's hilarious.
0: It's awesome. But, but I didn't need it.
1: a good example is like, why do we have Haley? this character that we're introduced to, why don't we have a real arc with her? All we have is we get introduced to her. She's painting. Then she tells us that she found out where somebody's doing something and followed them. And then we go do it. It's like, why don't we get a real story where we see more about her? Like you're trying to make me care for this character. And I think that I could, she's a well-designed character. I think it's interesting that she speaks through ASL. Give me more, give me more of her. Let me understand her. One of the things this game had the opportunity to do was to essentially be like, this is Miles, so the game tries to lean on this is our Spider-Man, so it's trying to bring Spider-Man from all of New York to be like, this is Harlem Spider-Man, and maybe he helps all of New York sometimes, but he ends up having the ability to have a more personal touch with where he's at and with the people around him, and I think that they wasted a lot of opportunities to do personalized things where you see exactly how Spider-Man even inside content, not just the main story, is affecting the community around him with the people that are around him.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like Haley specifically was really just a a way for them to be like, hey, Miles knows sign language. Isn't that cool? And yes, it is cool, but Haley didn't serve much of a purpose as I was showing up at the ending and kind of being one of the people who was like, oh, we will will stand for this Spider-Man like they do in all Spider-Man media. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm yeah
1: and that's what i mean right you you meet gloria and you meet that guy and you have that side quest where you go out and try and pull back all their stolen goods but yeah. all it does is introduce you to a character that you have you don't feel for at all because there's no reason to they didn't write a reason to outside mm-hmm. of that you're supposed to because they're part of your community and you're spider-man but it's an implied care not a care that they actually let you build with yourself right and the, the shame i think that comes from that is that this is why certain people will look and say like, well, you were just trying to throw something in there because now it's like, well, you were just trying to have an ASL character in there, yeah, and you were just trying to have. uh, I'm trying to remember. Is what what's the girl from Feast's name? That's Gloria. the one I can't remember. La- that's uh, okay. I wanted to make sure I,
0: her girlfriend.
1: Yeah, and that's what I mean. Her girlfriend, who you meet, and it's it, it's there. It's like, oh, she has a girlfriend. Okay, that's cool. I don't mind that any of these characters are in here, but if you're going to introduce me to these characters. What you end up doing, I think, is that you create, and I don't care, but I think you create for people who try to look at for reasons as to why you're shoehorning something in. Mm-hmm. You're giving them all the ammunition in the world by trying to introduce these people without just being like, "Hey, let's give them some time, screen time." Write these people out. Don't just write them. And I think that of all characters, right? Even don't worry about the the more what, what, what's the word to use for? That? I guess is it um, minority groups, or what would you what would you use there?
0: Yeah, minority groups
1: okay so you can write those in and that's fine but just like all characters I don't want to see why introduce me to some random white guy if you're not going to explain to me who he is and why he's there right. I don't care I want from any character I want you if you're going to take the time to call them out and show them multiple times do something that makes me understand who they are as a character I don't know who, Glo- who Gloria is besides the fact that she helps people that's literally it helps people lesbian yeah Haley paints ASL. (laughs) It's true. And I feel like that's a waste of characters across the board. Now, the first game had that problem with, you know, people who weren't part of minority groups. So I feel like sometimes you see games include these types of characters. And for some reason they get like, Oh, I'm so glad you included them. And that's cool. I'm glad that people feel like they're being represented in the game. But I feel like you also occasionally have things and content where they include the characters, but then don't do anything with them. And then people are upset. It's like, why did you feel the need to put the character in if you aren't going to do anything with them?
0: I can see where you're coming from on that. It's kind of the same reason that you got the whole reason um, the word token kind of came into existence, where it was there's a black person in this horror movie, but he dies immediately. You know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Um,
1: and I guess that's not to say that Haley dies in this game. She does not. But she never technically lives in this
0: game either. It's just someone to be here, which is fine. I think we can use this moment to kind of. T- I want to talk a little bit about the characters because I don't know that there's going to be a lot of places to talk about how dope someone like Ganky is in the story. <laughs> yeah. So we'll just do that. Uh, I guess we can start by talking about Genki, who is Miles' best friend and man in the chair. How did you feel about Genki and some of his the interactions with him and Miles?
1: I love every iteration of Genki, even the one in Spider-Verse where they pulled him back because they didn't want to repeat Spider uh, the the Spider Man movie where they ended up pulling Ned in, who is essentially Genki under a different name. Yeah, yeah, that's Genki. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's kind of a shame that the Marvel movies for Spider Man borrowed a lot of elements from Miles Morales and just gave them to Peter Parker.
0: I actually feel like that's a little bit of a disservice. Well, luckily Miles exists in that universe, so
1: yeah, thankfully that's so it, it works out. But yeah, I love Genki. i I think he's like the. Buddy, who always knows from the upfront, and I think what makes that interesting is a long time ago it was like Spider-Man was always about nobody knows and I think what's really kind of fun about this game is that a lot of people know who he yeah. is by, definitely by the time it's done I mean yeah. every Spider-Man movie like you said has that moment where for some reason actually I don't know that Amazing did but for some reason they see Spider-Man's face or end up learning about who he is like we see that coming with the new Marvel movies mm-hmm. but you have that element but I like that pretty quickly it's like Oh, Genki immediately knows who Spider-Man is. Yeah. And so Genki becomes the Barbara Gordon slash Oracle yeah. to Spider-Man. And that's cool because right. Peter didn't really have that.
0: No, he didn't. He was his own man in the chair. And I like I liked the man in the chair trope. It's, it's, a, it's important. It's, a su- it's nice to see that a superhero can't do everything sometimes.
1: Yeah. And, and I also just think it's a really interesting way to bring more out of your character because like – they're often used for comedic relief and I think that works out because like what I, I think what I like about Genki is he reminds me of Wade from Kim Possible
0: <laughs>
1: Does, yeah in, like, in yeah. a good way and that's what I mean it's it's fun and I also as weird as this is gonna sound I like that at the beginning of the story arc while I'm on my Kim Possible connection thing is that Miles is to Peter what Ron Stoppable is to Kim Possible <laughs> <laughs> But thankfully, well, I guess both stories are the character arc of how they become more confident with themselves and competent as well for what they can do. So, but I think that those introducing those types of characters are fun ways to bring things out of who you're dealing with. One of the things that's great about Spider Man 2018 is that Peter is his own man in the chair because he's not a teenager who's just got these powers. He's had them for a while and he knows what they are. I think what's fun about Miles is that he's still a teenager. Who's dealing with a lot of stuff the loss of his dad moving his mom trying to make big sweeping changes also being spider-man and i like that the man in the chair offers him the ability to be like whoa i'm excited about this thing whoa i'm scared about this thing whoa I don't know what to do about this thing and they use that even more for just a man in the chair right you see him lean on his mom and ask her a lot of questions definitely once she finds out and you see him lean on his uncle and ask for advice because the reality is, is he's a teen who's in way over his head which is a long running spider-man trope that we avoided in the 2018 game and I think it's a good thing but now you get the opportunity to tell that through a fresh lens with miles
0: yeah I like that. I like the retelling of Peter's story, but in a uh, much more, a much different lens. And I will mm-hmm. say, not about Genki, but the story in general. Where I like that this this game is very um, ethnic. Yeah, uh, it, it was just nice. It's nice as a Puerto Rican. I think they were very good with Miles and to an extent his mother of making them feel like Puerto Ricans. Um, mm-hmm. That was really nice. You know, I don't think there's anything I would say about Miles that's tokenized or anything no like I, that. I feel the
1: same and actually most of the main cast I feel that way like you were saying like for what they lack in the side characters that are just kind of there they make up for for the supporting cast like you know yeah. you have a really interesting group where the only normal guy blonde hair blue eye white guy is the bad guy
0: yeah right <laughs> really flip it on his head What's well, a good spot how did you how did you feel about Simon Krieger and Troy Baker's very Troy Baker performance of Simon Krieger disappointed Yeah, I didn't think he was very good. I understand why he has to be there, but... Yeah,
1: he felt like a character that had to exist as a foil for Finn. Like, Yeah, If he wasn't there, then everything else can't work. And then if if Roxanne isn't there, then everything else can't happen. And if Roxanne isn't going to accidentally destroy all of Harlem based off of what Finn wants to do as the Tinkerer, then none of this comes together the way. So it it ends up working out where I think the story is really good. Mm Mm-hmm ultimately but yeah krieger just feels and i and i'm actually i think the part of the reason i'm so disappointed is that it is troy baker
0: yeah that's the thing is the voice acting i thought was really good i just felt like even down to his name he was just a generic evil corporate man
1: well it doesn't help that i literally played twice in a row batman arkham knight right before this in which the main bad guy or the you know Whatever you want to call it. The bad guy is Troy Baker. Yeah. Sounding like Troy Baker.
0: I think he does uh no, never <laughs> mind. He's not playing the Joker in that one, is he?
1: No, no, no. He's he's actually really good as a Joker. No, he's he's the Arkham Knight. So, but yeah, that's that's what I mean is that seeing coming off of that, I guess I have this problem across the board anyway, and I really liked that the first game felt to not include any just big name voice actors immediately that I recognized just based off of them being in everything. Like I'm I'm a little disappointed because Nolan North and yeah. Troy Baker and everything. And every time they are, mm-hmm. I hear them almost immediately. And it's like we talked about in movies where sometimes who the person is overshadows who this character is supposed to be, but at least games have the benefit of being able to hide their face. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs>
1: So it's like Simon Krieger looks like Simon Krieger, but in the back of my mind, I'm very aware of the fact that this is ultimately Troy Baker.
0: Yeah, uh, it was very obvious that it was Troy. Uh, underutilized, to say the least. He, he was, was an underutilized visit,
1: villain who was very just... He was the man. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give the story credit that it's trying to look at like real-world stuff and put something through, and I like that. It's cool. Kind of mm-hmm. look at the power dynamic and you know the story's big thing. Ultimately, before we get into it, the overarching thing is just that inner city places like Harlem are viewed as disposable. Yeah, and I like that Simon Krieger ends up kind of representing the very w- corporate white guy yeah. who would be the face of that, at least as we're
0: looking through it the lens of twenty twenty. Let's just let's just call a spade a spade. Simon Krieger is Jeff Bezos. <laughs>
1: I guess I didn't immediately put a name to him but I mean I, I, I it works
0: yeah I guess we can go from there because I do want to get into the story so we should talk about I think the last person who we might not really get much into is Rio Morales Miles's mm-hmm. mom um, I don't know that there's too much to say about her I think she's just a really awesome character Um, and she's basically the exact opposite of Simon Krieger so <laughs> that kind of makes think- her arc work
1: I think Rio ends up serving the place of Aunt May a lot better than Aunt May did. Like don't be wrong, I didn't I didn't dislike May in 2018, but I think that whether it's because she's the real mother figure and and the fact that well not 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 a mother figure, whether it's the fact that she's the real mother or if it's and and it's clear that it's her son or if it's. The fact that it's she's the real mother and Miles is still a teenager. I just felt like there was more connection built between Miles and his mom than what I felt like was built between Peter and May in the 2018 game. Right. And I don't know why. It's almost something I can't put words to. It's just like by the end of the game, I felt like I understood and felt like there was a real relationship between miles and Rio in a way that I never quite got from the 2018 game between Peter and May. So I like her place and maybe it's just that it's fun to get a Spider-Man character where you're seeing actual parents and maybe that just changes the dynamic. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, Rio just brings a little bit more, I guess, comfortability to miles Uh, maybe someone he can lean on a little bit more because I think you take, I can tell my mom I'm Spider Man is a lot easier than like my aunt, you know? I don't know. I guess it's hard to talk from that angle because I live with my, you know, I've had my parents. Yeah. But I, I feel like there's, there's some, it's a lot easier to make your mom worried than maybe someone who just took you in out of the goodness of their heart and now you're doing some dangerous crap like jumping off buildings and fighting people with, uh, Thunderhands, you know what I mean? So,
1: which shout out to May because I know that's a big thing is that they don't have to do that, but they do. So, Uncle Ben and Aunt May are compelling characters in their own sense,
0: they definitely are.
1: But I think maybe it's just fun seeing it, and I, I think that might be why I liked Spider Verse's take on Jefferson and uh, in Rio as well, where it just felt accurate. Real, to, yeah, I, I guess it felt more that I think that's what it is is that i don't know what it's like to be raised by someone who essentially has to raise me (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so it is a different thing like you know i love my uncles and my aunts and they're great people but it's a different dynamic because they are ultimately have never been responsible for me right exactly so they're just like more like friends Um, so i think finn and aaron are the two that we didn't immediately touch on but i think we touched on them tangentially you feel yeah, like we're good and,
0: with where we are on well that? i kind of felt like with finn and aaron we can talk about them in the story um yeah. so we should get into that where i don't know where's the best place to start i think maybe we talk about how cool the two spiders are for the little bit i think this is a really awesome scene of the two spider-man jumping around um and then that first rhino fight yeah the story's importance is is there too i think because
1: this is where we have the whole point of this story and it's it's a mile trope a miles trope that i like is that he is being mentored by someone who's already that and he's trying to live in the shadow of that person yeah and again i don't know why the marvel movies decided to take that and give that to peter it's interesting to see it but let it stay with the character that it came from so seeing miles though And having him try to live up to the Spider-Man that came before him. And I think that makes more sense too because it's like you're Spider-Man, but there's already an established Mm Spider-Man. So you feel like there's more of a reason as to why you should be somewhat trying to live up to the potential and put yourself in the shoes of the person who you are pretty much very similar to and putting the same responsibility on yourself and trying to really take all that on your shoulders. And the big part of the story Mm -hmm. is miles gaining his own confidence yeah because basically trial by fire he has to yeah so yeah i think this introduction scene is really important because it establishes mm-hmm. peter as the confident spider-man and we see miles as the unco oh, conf- uh, feigning confidence but not really being able to back it up yeah confident until he gets
0: punched in the head you know I think it something kind of interesting that it does too is it shows that Spider-Man also isn't infallible it's about the person just mm-hmm. because you're Spider-Man doesn't mean that ri- a gigantic rhinoceros man won't almost kill you. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I think that it's the same thing where it puts Peter in a sense of danger. Yeah. It, yeah, that is a good thing because yeah, it you have Miles looking almost too up to Pete but then you see pete actually get defeated and then miles overcome Mm -hmm. like if if it's the one thing i actually like about alexi being in this game rhino is that it at least creates the opportunity for spider-man to be pete spider-man to be defeated but then let the non-confident miles find a way to overcome that and even with that miles for some reason still looks at pete as the one who has all the answers it's it's a cool pull Mm-hmm. It's like Miles is so unconfident, like, unconfident in his own ability as Spider-Man that he can't even see the own victory he just had.
0: Right. Yeah, and I mean, it, it is good that it for setting that up anyway. That it comes after a gigantic screw up that costs the city millions of dollars. <laughs> um, speaking of costing the city millions of dollars with gigantic screw ups, I think we can kind of move from the two spiders. You know, Peter goes on vacation with MJ. But then we get—that's when we get the bridge attack, which is, I think, the peak of this game. Which is that probably sounds negative because this is right at the beginning of the game. But I do think this is probably the best part of it. How did you feel about the bridge scene? Because that—the bridge scene coming off of a tinkerer attacking Miles's mom's uh, rally, political rally.
1: You know, it is no time like now to just talk about one of the problems I have. It's not a huge problem, and it might be localized to me. And I think you actually know it. The bridge attack scene is fun. There's a lot of stuff. There's high stakes. I think it does a lot to show who Miles is, and that when push comes to shove, he is a lot like Pete, and that he has to be. You know, he has to try his best to save everyone, even if it means that he hurts himself. Mm -hmm. I like that, but I think that there's a problem that comes from expectations built from knowing characters and character tropes within a single series too much. I think the bridge scene would have hit me a lot different if I would have had the same emotional impact as a lot of other people in that full 100% like now you know that the Tinkerer is Finn, but there's a lot of stuff that the game tries to do to tell you that it's her before that. But the problem I had is that my wife can attest She rings the doorbell at the dinner table scene. Mm -hmm. He opens the door, and I crap you not. The moment I saw her face, and she walked in, and was like clearly friends with Miles. I mean, literally, she said like one word to him, like doorbell's fixed or whatever. I I looked to my wife and said, she's going to be the bad guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I just I think that's a bigger problem with Krieger because I don't think Finn is the bad guy of the game.
1: Well, she shouldn't be, but by nature, she's the wor- she's the only person that actually feels like she was ever important in an antagonistic sense. Yeah, but
0: she's an obstacle. She's not a villain. Krieger's the villain, you know? Yeah, you're right. But when I... Okay, I
1: should say, the wording I used to her was she's going to be the bad guy. But what yeah. I ultimately meant by that was she is going to be the antagonist... She's the tinker, to, ...to us. Yeah, she's going to be the antagonist to our protagonist, ultimately, because she's going to be the person that we have to deal with the majority of the game, whether she's actually a villain or not. No. Uh, yeah. Which, again, kind of comes down to this thing of Spider-Man people, right? Like... The way I wrote it in my notes is that it's a seemingly predictable story because as soon as I saw Finn, my immediate, leaf, my immediate feeling was that she was going to be an antagonist. The story goes on to further push that on purpose, but the cliche or is the cliche of drawing Spidey's prominent villains from his acquaintances, friends, and family circle. We see that with Green Goblin, Hobgoblin, Venom, Doghawk, Prowler. Does it make it progressively harder to actually surprise someone?
0: Well, I guess. I would say yes, but I think the thing with this is the – I don't know. I don't really have a problem with it in the same way you do because I don't necessarily think that the reveal was meant to be played as all that big of a surprise.
1: No, and I'm glad that it wasn't because at least later, as they kept saying more things that made it obvious, I was like, well, thankfully everyone, when they finally see her face, is going to be like, well, I, I figured it was probably Finn. Yeah. I had the problem and I want to say problem. I had the situation where my gut instincts based off of what I know about Spider-Man as a character took it away to where even when the game's kind of being like, Oh, here's this other information that makes you think it could be Finn. I already knew it was going to be Finn. It's mm-hmm. like, it was a gut feeling. So those moments weren't like, Oh God, are you telling me that it might be Finn? And then when you see her face, it's like the it 100% is Finn. I had all the same things of like hearing that information and seeing her face, but it took away from it because of the fact that I don't, I'm, I'm almost wondering like, does this, there's reason that Spider-Man stories work and are always good. Even if I can predict them very easily, is it because they're friends? Like, is it because it's people that are supposed to be close to and family oh, and whatnot? I or think the, th- it,
0: the thing with that is it just inherently raises the stakes. Cause it's like, Oh, I have to stop somebody I loved. Which I mm-hmm. guess you could have, you could argue it's lazy more than anything else, but
1: yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's lazy. I think that it's an easy way to try and get an emotional pl- pl- like ploy, out of someone, uh-huh. and I think that ultimately across the whole story, and we can keep talking about it. I think the problem is, is that whether it's the runtime, which may have been short on purpose or short because it needed to be short, I don't know. I don't feel like they did enough to actually build much of an emotional connection with Finn. So all of the Finn stuff, while it works a little bit, I feel like it falls more flat than it was intended to. Because if we look at the 2018 game and Doc Ock, we spend a lot of time with Pete and Doc Ock before the things go sour. And that ends up giving you more of a, like your own emotional connection with Doc Ock to where whenever the betrayal finally happens, you're a little more in the zone with Pete of like, you know, how could you do this? Whereas, I don't know if it was ruined for me because as soon as I saw Finn, I knew she was going to be the bad guy. Cause like, of course I knew Doc Ock was going to be the bad guy. They're not going to have Octavius in a Spider-Man game and then not have him be the bad guy. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> but, I don't know. Something about Finn just kind of falls flat here. And I guess that's it's not a big complaint. And I knew going into this talk that for as much as I enjoyed the game, it's going to feel like I'm shitting all over. It's exactly how I felt about the 2018 one. But, it's just, I don't know. I guess I've been more surprised by games of things I am deeply familiar with than this Sure. and 2018 even, but really this one. And I hope that that's something that they can kind of get out of because ultimately it would be great to see them surprise me, yeah. but the worst case scenario is that they continue to tell great stories that maybe I predict most of, but they're telling it in such a compelling way that I don't care. Yeah. Or at least I care less than I could.
0: You can't be too mad about that. Um, So you were disappointed with the Finn reveal. How did you feel about Aaron figuring out Miles was Spider Man? That one was interesting to me. Sure.
1: I like it because Uh I feel like it adds a level of realism to this, and where a lot of things like Spider Man, Peter, nobody knows he's Peter until he tells them typically or has to reveal it himself and i like that his uncle who clearly knows this kid knows what he looks like knows what he moves so he sounds like and all that is able to clearly spot like that that's probably miles like i i feel like i recognize every bit of this And that's miles. Whereas everybody who knows Bruce Wayne and what he sounds like and the fact that he's a millionaire and has the means to be Batman. No one's like maybe maybe Batman's Bruce Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) So I like that aspect of having someone just figure it out while you also have the aspect of him just straight up telling Genki basically immediately. Yeah. So you kind of have a diverse thing there. But at the same time, I think it's interesting with later. I like that it comes from Aaron, too. Is that Aaron's the one who recognized that he was Spider Man, but then when he's talking about whether or not he should tell Finn that he's Spider Man, you know, Aaron's solution is to not tell her he's, he's Spider Man, and then he goes, T- "Finn's too smart for that." And I like that the story and him specifically says when people love you, you'd be surprised, or like when people care about you, they'd be you'd be surprised what they overlook. Yeah. So I like that they try to write in a reason as to why sometimes these characters like Finn would not immediately be able to tell. Spider Man is Miles.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the same argument with like Superman in the glasses. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think the only thing I didn't like about it was I think they went just an extra step too far of explaining it because he does this thing where Uncle where Aaron's like, oh well, you know, I saw you fighting these guys and it was your fighting moves, and I was like, okay, I get that you you've known this kid since he was a child, but that felt like a stress to me of like, Oh, I can tell because I've seen you fight, you know, I would have rather he just been like, I wish we had a conversation. You didn't change your voice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Whatever it is.
0: Yeah. Even if it was like, you know, I could, I can tell this aspect of you anyway,
1: like the way you talk and all that. I mean, I think it probably could have been better. I'm trying to remember the exact dialogue that he mentioned. Was it that they used to play football together and he remembered those moves or something? Was it – or basketball? Yeah, what was? was
0: it? I, I thought he was talking about fighting specifically. Well, he was
1: talking about while he was fighting because, like, you know, the way Miles fights and moves is kind of, like, athletic. Oh, so yeah. I, I think that there was some, like, we played – some kind of a sport and the way you were moving reminded me of like how you juke people in basketball That or would something. make more sense because
0: I, I took it very literally of him like, yeah, I've seen you fight before. I don't think that was it because okay. then that, I, then I, I, I don't know
1: bad. the exact line, but to me, it was some kind of implied like I've been around you playing sports and I know the way that you move when you need to be, you know, nimble and athletic. And I really think it was basketball because if I'm remembering right too, there's, you know, you can find in the little uh trail thing from your dad doing the postcard hunt you eventually get to the picture of you all playing basketball and i think aaron's in that picture so mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure as a tie back to that
0: yeah you're probably right i guess from there we can talk about him being the prowler i don't really know that there's too much to talk about there because uh uncle aaron is always the prowler because uncle aaron is the prowler that's his character <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, certainly, which I like that Aaron is always the Prowler, and I like Mm -hmm. the idea of taking the uncle, which normally in a Spider-Man situation is the dad figure, and normally his death is uh, pushed forward. I like that they kind of change to an extent here and have it to where the dad dies instead of the uncle. But the uncle ends up being... I guess to me, it's like the Prowler is to Miles to what I feel like Green Goblin Harry is to Peter, where it's like someone who's very intimately close to him but has different goals than him, but not, they're not necessarily bad people. They're And they're, again, that's like what I was talking about a second ago, where all the Spider-Man people who were maybe not villains but you know the people that are normally the foils that he's having to go through or people that he's familiar with who are doing something for a very human reason yes where so it's like spider-man 3 harry thought that spider-man killed his dad and that peter was the one who did it he didn't understand that he killed himself so when you go through all those things i like that prowler is not necessarily and he's not it's not that he's an evil guy he's just a selfish guy
0: right That's what his big character arc is, showing Miles not to be selfish, really. Um, So I guess the last thing, (laughs) we've been talking about Miles' identity for a while. How did you feel about him telling Finn? Because I don't like that part.
1: I thought that it was handled interestingly. From Mm -hmm. a writing standpoint, I felt like it was clumsy, which I didn't like. But from a human who's trying to figure out the best way to solve something quickly, I liked that he showed her because to me it seems like the exact quick minute decision that like a teenager who doesn't know what else to do would make and even though he lied to her and then debated telling her the truth and then eventually had to do it in the worst possible time it felt very human error in a way that grounded Miles and made him feel more teenager to me who's not that experienced because in this game he looks older than he did in the last one he almost looks like an adult but I like that there's times where you see that he's, clear, he's still clearly a small child a child like he's still someone who doesn't quite know how to navigate the world
0: yeah i guess i just don't like i didn't like it because to me i just don't understand the logic of telling your villain that you're the hero trying to stop them You know, i get it they do a good enough job in the game of justifying it it's just one of those like you never do this kind of stuff and and i don't know I guess you never do this kind of stuff is the wrong word, but it it feels wrong to tell a supervillain your secret identity. But as you said, she's not a villain, right? She's not, but at the time, I guess to be fair, at the time Miles doesn't consider her one. But you don't know how she's going to react until you tell her, but she is running the underground. So like, while the game doesn't end up with her as a bad guy, the logic of I'm going to tell this person who wants me dead because I'm trying to stop them who I am just feels bad, you know?
1: Well, I think the stakes were high at the moment, right? Where he was, he was
0: about to die. And yeah,
1: I, I, so again, it feels right in the moment of at least it felt like you had no other option. If you're going to die anyway, showing your identity. Yeah. Yeah. I I I do agree though. From a writing standpoint, it feels clumsy from like a again it doesn't feel like something that you'd expect someone to write someone doing but i think in the long run it feels like a very teenage thing to do i, I mean i've realized it's the best way i can say it i was conflicted about it because i liked it and disliked it all at the same time
0: yeah i can understand where you're coming from with that it was just one of those things where i it, it didn't work for me but at the same time i understand why it had to happen i guess i just kind of wish finn had figured it out and uncle he told aaron himself you know kind of reverse those two be like, Infinite comes had come to be like, I know you're Spider-Man. And they talked it out. Because you could have done it the same way. I think it's just a little bit more realistic there. Especially after she invites Miles into her hideout. Miles leaves and then Spider-Man takes out everyone in the hideout. You know? You could have been like, I know you're fucking Spider-Man, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. But again, the, the story tries to work around that by saying, like, when someone cares about you, you'd be surprised what they don't. Like, you know, because Finn's yeah, too smart for it, that. Like again, the story at least tries to account for it.
0: They do. That was, I think, the one gameplay moment that I think made was a little incongruent with the story of the game. Because I was like, why would you go in there and take all these guys out who are just doing a training exercise? Why would you take them out? Sneak around and find the stuff you need. Instead, you're you're going to take all these people out in your friend's hideout who she just brought you in here. None of these people know you. And now Spider-Man's here. He's never been here before, but now Spider Man's here and you're attacking them all. You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that if they took that out, because I felt the same way, it's just a gameplay section, right? It's like, well, this yeah. is a cool level to take people down in. I think the if they they'd have to change how you get down the elevator, right? Because if even if you had to where you're not supposed to fight them, you can't suddenly whip that big sword on the statue around and go into the elevator without being noticed. You know? Yeah. That doesn't mean they couldn't have designed it differently where he finds another way around and let it... I mean, but it's also... It could be that the game doesn't make you take everybody down, but instead offers, like, the dishonored abilities where your ideal playthrough would be that you can get by and find a way without killing anybody. But if you get caught, it's not a failure as soon as you get caught. Instead, it's now you have to fight your way out. That probably would have worked better from a pure gameplay design standpoint. Yeah.
0: It just felt very, um, very dumb of the character who has shown himself to be pretty smart to just leave any doubt that he is Spider-Man, you know? And again, that's just if somebody is paying attention, which as you said, they're not.
1: Well, because there's that line beforehand though, right? Where she clearly knows he's not telling her something and he's even, he's like, he's like vague on purpose with her when they're in the coffee shop and he knows and basically tells her that he knows that she's the tinkerer and -hmm. then she goes well that was my secret what's yours and then he tries to play it off with school and she's like no like what is really going on why haven't you been reaching out and clearly the answer is that he's spider-man but he doesn't even really answer he just says i've been taking on more responsibility than i can handle which is the truth you know it's like a long way around the truth but you feel like that conversation, him st- still not being pretent- like particularly honest, then going into your hideout, then Spider-Man coming in, it just, yeah, it does feel like something that even someone who cared about someone would be able to put the
0: pieces together enough to at least be suspicious. Right. You would at least squint at at the evidence there. Like, I can make this yeah, work.
1: And it wouldn't be that he shows you to hurt his face and you go, <gasps>
0: what? Like, oh, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I almost would have preferred it to be that like whenever he shows her face, she's like, "I really hoped it wasn't you." Mm-hmm.
0: That's like one of my favorites. Is it, it's a little bit of a tangent, but in Arrow, they have this one scene where he finds out someone's identity, and he just goes, "Yeah, yeah, that makes sense." And I wish that Finn had just that's what she'd said, <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, or even yeah, even like I said, even something as simple as if you want it to be that it keeps her from killing him. Mm. then that works still if you have her you have him show her face and then she looks and she's like almost even more mad than you can tell and then she that she kind of knew it was miles but didn't want to believe it and now that she knows without doubt that it's miles she like doesn't kill him but she's like i really hoped it wasn't you and then like maybe punches the ground beside his
0: head before going off yeah yeah i think that would have been A lot better. But I think that transfers us over to something we don't need to spend too much time about, but I did like the scene, because it kind of goes to the next two things I was going to talk about. I wanted to talk about the gameplay section of you working with Finn, so I thought that was really cool, and then that just leads us straight into Uncle Aaron betraying Miles. (laughs) So...
1: (laughs) yeah i guess technically it's it's in the other order order right i mean technically for them to work together
0: they have to be like no they're working together and then aaron betrays oh okay you're right actually they're they're talking then aaron betrays them and then they're working together and then he betrays them again
1: (laughs) yeah and that series of events i like that you work together From Mm -hmm. a story standpoint, there's a lot that I think it brings to the table of like, you know, why would you lie to me? That kind of making them seem like they're still friends, but there's like a a thick tension between them. Yeah. And I think the payoff that comes from that's really good. And I even like the moments where you see Alexi slash Rhino putting her like he's the catalyst for why I think she finally breaks whenever she's trying to kill him. And yeah. then Miles stops her. I think it's a great moment. And uh, I think it really works to make the ending feel like where she's at, where she just has this constant feeling of she wants to do something and do like, let go of all this anchor she's holding on to. But every time something has to stop her. The first time it was herself stopping herself and not uh, knowing she couldn't do more. But now that she was prepared and was going to do something, Miles stopped her. So now it feels like Miles is being her roadblock. I think it worked really well and set up yeah. the ending of the game well.
0: I guess the only problem I had with that scene is why is Alexi doing that? (laughs) Like, does he want to die? I don't understand.
1: You know, I don't know. I, I wondered the same. But the problem with Rhino is that he's never given any kind of character in either of these games. You don't know anything about him. And I'm sure that they think that that's like a good thing because you it's like a mystery. But I actually I think it makes it to where anything that happens regarding him just feels like you needed to a reason to write something in instead of it feeling like it
0: was part of his character motivation. Yeah, I don't know. That to me just felt like okay, we're gonna have to turn Finn again. So, Alexi, be mean to Finn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean he's always quippy and says random shit. But at the end yeah, of yeah, but like
0: actively like. Oh, your brother is idiots, and I heard you killed him. Like that yeah. to me was just like, why are you trying to get her to kill you? Yeah, you know?
1: I guess that there is an argument that there could be an implication that Krieger kind of pushed that on him, and that Alexi feels indebted to Krieger for Krieger not sending him back to the raft. Mm-hmm. But you could show that with a quick scene of where you see Krieger telling them stuff and being like, you know, we can use this against her in the interrogation, and. Clearly the interrogation's out the window, but he sees an opportunity to still bring it up to try and maybe delay so that Krieger can get there and try and capture them again. There's a lot of ways you could ride around that where all of the same things can happen, but it feels like there was a character motivation. Maybe even if it's not directly from Rhino himself, you have character motivation from Krieger. And then that actually makes Krieger feel like more of an actual present bad guy in this game instead of just a random person who has to exist for a company to exist.
0: Yeah, I wish Krieger was more involved for that reason. You mm-hmm. give a lot of the stuff a lot more punch, maybe. Yeah. Um,
1: um, but you know, this is not about the story. It's think while we're talking about it. Sure. All of every bit of that part of working with Finn and seeing her in like kind of real time gameplay, and then it's I think the ending, everything you see that she can do, and just seeing the underground in general. I had this thing where I would have really loved it's never gonna happen. I know it. But I would have really loved to see them do something like uh, Sucker Punch did with Infamous First Light, to where they take a side character from the main game of Second Sun and give her her own story, which is essentially what Miles Morales already is. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, but I think it would be so cool to play around with the the programmable matter and actually have a side story of Finn and. Go back into some of her rise up into the underground and how she got there, and have like a little side story DLC for her that's of this game to where you get to play with her and play around with those mechanics of like using the sword, using the programmable matter, and being able to run over the, you know, run and jump over the city and stuff, and basically make New York feel different by introducing a new way to travel throughout it. And yeah. it would be a cool way to get more mileage out of New York, but with a completely different play style.
0: So you want a uh, finfamous for a slate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> I just, I think it seems so cool and all the tech seems so cool that it seems like having a game with her and where maybe Spider-Man, like Peter Spider-Man plays some kind of very small part in it, but mm-hmm. I would be completely okay with just a game where it's her and parts and like members of the underground, and you get to see more of who the underground are and why they are doing what they're doing. And you just see them fighting Roxxon before all these events take place. Yeah, I would be down with that. But you get to play with Finn's powers because I'm always a like, I have those, those situations where a game introduces a mechanic that someone else can use, and I'm like, ah, it'd be so cool to get to play with that mechanic. Mm hmm. And it's like it exists in the game, at least so far as how it operates for the cutscenes to be able to show me it. But it'd be so cool to get to play with those. Like,
0: I, it's just it seems like a really cool thing to be able to do. No, I would definitely be down for like uh even if it wasn't a game of her, but just hey, here's us. Here's these little side missions where you have to run around town as Finn. Oh, yeah, cool. even that would have
1: been cool. And, you know, I, I want to make sure I doesn't feel like I'm a uh, hypocrite here. I know that I said the 2018 had problems of introducing or trying to change the character you played as. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that this game ended up not having you play as anybody else because no nobody else made sense. That was from the hero slash side character setup. But I would have absolutely been down for you to change up the pacing of the game by changing me over to Finn and getting to be in her shoes for a little bit mm-hmm. because unlike MJ and Miles Morales in the first game where they are people who don't have any combat and it really slows the game this game would be able to change pace and change you know kind of shake things up with a completely different gameplay style but one that's still energetic and fast-paced and still gives you like more information I don't know I just think that there's more you could have done whether it be within this game or like a small DLC for this game where you have like a little three-hour campaign where you play as her and go through the events leading up to this game. I would love that.
0: Yeah. You're definitely right. Finn does seem like she would have some great gameplay opportunities.
1: How granular do they want to get? Like you can you, you can use more Finn. I think this comes down to if Finn becomes like a crowd favorite character, kind of like Fetch did in Infamous Second Son, yeah. that they'll be like, you know, people really like this character. Why don't we do more with her?
0: Maybe. That's why I thought... Well, we should get into the ending, because I think that's the next place we need to go. See,
1: the ending is a lot. That's kind of the crazy thing here. I'm thinking
0: basically the fight, right? And then the cause and effect there.
1: Don't we need to somewhat talk about Aaron's second? I wouldn't say it's necessarily betrayal, but Aaron's
0: roadblock. You're right. I meant to bring that up, and I ended up just skipping it. I think that's a big scene. It really just kind of helps to set the stage of, like, no, Miles is is an actual hero. You know? it's more than just him being spider-man is he actually cares about the people where aaron aaron has almost the same power as spider-man which i think is an interesting way of kind of showing the difference between them because even aaron has the same stuff even down to the cloaking Mm -hmm. he just doesn't have the stickiness and the uh reactions
1: yeah even if it's through different means he has like some kind of electrical abilities And the hollow abilities where he can pull out other versions of himself. So his tech is a lot like your gadgets. Mm -hmm. The cloaking tech. In any good story, there's always a foil for any given character. And I think that realistically, Aaron slash Prowler is that foil. He's someone who's so similar to Miles in so many ways. But at the end of the day, there's that one difference about each of those characters that make them do things differently based off of what they would normally do. So Miles doesn't follow his gut in a lot of ways and takes Aaron's bad advice about not telling Finn that he's Spider-Man. And then in the long run, Aaron goes against the way he would normally act in changing and ultimately ending up coming to Miles' side and giving up Broxon even at the cost of his own well-being. And I like that. Even though I think Uncle Aaron is ultimately in this game, uh, he's not that big of a character in this game. I think his use in the, in this story is phenomenal
0: i agree with that i think he he does really well
1: there plus that was a cool fight i mean it was that was a really good fight i wanted more boss fights from this game and i think that's what it comes down to like again whether it was inside content or in the main story at least we got a couple in the main story (laughs) yeah
0: oh i personally don't have too much else to say about that scene it's definitely important to the story but i think it it just helps to lead in And really set on the nose the differences between them and how heroic uh, Miles is. Yeah. But I think from there we go right into, oh shit, Finn is uh, going to blow up the entire town if she doesn't stop. Oh yeah. I found a little contrived. You know, we're complaining a lot about this game that we really liked, but I I didn't love the like, oh, Krieger has shifted a bunch of numbers and now it's going to vaporize the world. (laughs) Um, that to me felt a little convenient I think to me blowing up Roxanne is enough to be like you gotta stop like (laughs) blowing up an entire plaza is enough so I didn't really feel like they had to raise the stakes there unless you'd had that's the thing I would have been interesting if before they get captured and they're down there if Miles had been like yeah I'll help you we'll blow this up we just gotta make sure that no one's there And then because he wants to help Finn and he sees her as a a perfect moral person and then he realizes this and has to stop her and then you have the same arc, I guess it would have made more sense that the clickety-doos got the numbers up and now it's going to blow up the the whole city. But until then, I thought it was kind of just why.
1: (laughs) It's a hard thing to navigate because what you were just talking about where Miles would like maybe agree to help her. Mm-hmm. I think that the problem that it introduces is that it goes against the miles that we've seen the whole game where it, it ex, uh, with the exception of when he takes advice from uncle Aaron, he's a pretty moral altruistic person. And you understand the way he's going to respond to something because he has values that he got from his father. And the only time that's what makes again, uncle Aaron such a great foil. The only time he goes against those values is when it's in the pursuit of listening to his uncle's ill-fated advice. And, that's why that scene with Aaron is so strong because it's Miles saying that you know hey, I know it's best for me and I'm I'm confident now I don't need you in the same way that you think I do and I think that leads into all the ending stuff where I think if Miles had ever 100% said like not only do I understand why you're doing what you're doing I'm also thinking that it's okay I don't know that it would have felt right to who Miles is as a character yeah. but by naturally saying oh you, you can't do this because it's going to blow everything up you're right it just You know, there's that feeling of you got to up the stakes a little bit to make it kind of live with, you don't want it to be in the shadow of the 2018 game, which had a very strong ending. Yeah. So you run into this situation of like, well, you want the stakes to be just high enough to make sense. And you want it to, you you also notice it was all localized. It can't be that it's going to blow up half of New York or any of that. It's got to be Harlem. It's got to specifically be miles home and basically just that it's a mixture. Like I said, I think it's one of those things where because we're looking back on it, it's it's almost fine in the moment. You almost don't really think about it. But if you stop to think about it for any real amount of time, you'd be like, that eh, was way too convenient.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. How did you feel about the resolution to it? And we should mention that I find it interesting that the, all the PlayStation teasers were the straight-up end of the game.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the final bit of it all, I really liked the fight with
0: Finn. It felt very dynamic and interesting. Yeah. And I love that aspect of it. She brought a lot mm-hmm. of stuff to the table. I really liked that if you knocked her out of a window or you got knocked out of a window, she pulled you back. It was like, no, we're finishing the fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that there wasn't
1: random borders to keep that from happening. Yeah. Instead, there was a state of like, oh, if it happens, we're going to make it fit narratively. Yeah. Yeah. I like that too. But I think. Going through all of that, you know what I was... It was a mixture of... I thought it was really cool. I thought it made sense at this point you've seen this friendship strained. Uh, Again, I think that if Finn would have been built up a little bit more, it would have landed a little more home. But you understand that it's a strained friendship and you're seeing these two things go out. And I think you're also seeing kind of what the last of us 2 was wanting to do and where you see Uh someone lose their mental faculty and like their actual true sense of morality because of essentially revenge and grief I actually think that this game touches on that in a decently strong way again Mm could have been better if you cared more about who Finn was and the game actually ends up I think ultimately landing but what I thought was really dumb is that they tried pulling Simon Krieger in in the weirdest way into the end where he's, like, over the intercom. Being oh, like, yeah. Hey, don't worry about us. Uh, we can afford the whole plaza. We got great insurance. Also, hell, if you blow up all of uh, Harlem, uh, we're, we're good because uh, it makes us look like we're the victims. I'm not saying that that's not true. It just goes to show to me that they felt like, oh, well, it's the end of the game and we we don't have Simon Krieger anywhere. Yeah.
0: Like, I know what we can do. It's kind of like we got to make him seem even worse. I'm like I get it he's a villain he's the bad guy thank you Yeah, I didn't need that
1: but I think the rest of it you know I love the uh, very very true to Spider-Man also just very true to good superhero moment where he's broken and beaten and I actually think one of the strongest scenes there's two really strong lines from each character in in different moments at the end that I think are really strong anyway and I really wish that I felt a little more strongly towards Finn because it would have made it even more beautiful but mm-hmm. when they're falling from the building and she kind of realizes what's going on and she kind of has that very faint like I'm sorry. Yes. And then Miles kind of spins around to take the brunt of the fall and he he's like it's okay. Yep. And then he hits the ground. I was like man that's actually a pretty strong line. Yeah, I like that part. It says a lot about Miles and it says a good bit about Finn and then the scene leading up to that all of that like him standing up finn's still over there because you think finn's not actually super he is so I, I, I like that like he gets up quicker than her and even though he's broken and beaten he's crawling underneath and then he gets to the at- reactor and even though he pulls that first bit he pushes further even though he knows that like he can't really take it it's a very spider-man moment in the way that you want it's like yes absolutely. even though you know exactly what's happening and you know the outcome in the long run, it's just so damn compelling because you're like, "That's yeah, that's the Spider-Man that I know. Even though this isn't Peter Parker, this is Miles,
0: this is the attitude of what makes a Spider-Man. This is a Spider-Man story, even if it's not Spider-Man who's telling it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, man, that was really cool. And then I mm-hmm. like how the game had been building up to the fact that he can't hold that energy. He always has to find some way to let it go. But all the other reactors are small, so it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But I like that this was like he has all that energy. He's got to do something. And I gotta say, I think Finn's redemption mostly works.
0: If it's one of those things where I wonder, given the capabilities of those things, if she could have figured out another way,
1: you know? Maybe, but I think it felt good to give her to like his, you know, that brief. I'm sorry. I think suddenly humanizes her a lot. It does. And then having her follow up with that kind of PTSD scene of where she looks over and sees Miles pulling all the electricity in and she kind of has that flash to Rick. Yeah. I thought that was a really strong scene. And again, if you listen to our Last of Us one, there's a scene in The Last of Us that I think is very similar to this where you have a change of heart based off of like a PTSD kind of relief Yep. I like that. And I really thought it was cool that that's kind of what led her to be like, I've got to find a way to redeem myself. And there's not time to think of another opportunity or another way to fix it. I know a way that will surefire work, even if it means the end of me. And I liked that they had that. And Miles being kind of like, can't hold it in and being held by her. And her going up in the air and that very, the, the other strong line was from her, where she's like, you know, just let go. Just let go. And then closes her eyes. It's just. It, I think the ending works really well.
0: I agree with you. I, I I really liked the ending. I just, in watching it, especially a second time, I, I said to myself, like, why doesn't Finn just drop him? <laughs> you know?
1: But she's only gone so high and she drops him, she risks him blowing up and letting the explosion go toward, and then yeah. she's still going to probably be in the blast zone. You know what I mean? There's, no, there's
0: definitely reasons. I, it was just me... When I was watching it, I'm like, ah, oh, there must be, there must have been a way for her to get out of it. And part of it is, like, it's a comic book, right? So I'm assuming she's not dead. <laughs> oh, trust me. I had this feeling, and
1: I'm really glad the game didn't do it. It was the only one that I was like, I have a feeling while also mixed having the feeling that it won't happen. Because it seems too easy. I had a feeling that somehow Rick didn't actually die. And that yeah. maybe he became Electro.
0: See, I would have liked that. I would have liked
1: that because at least it brings another villain in and it gives us a reason to have something else go down. And it also would have been cool that Finn goes through all this and here's the crazy thing, they still could do that.
0: They could, yeah, absolutely.
1: Finn could have sacrificed herself, not even realizing that the whole time her brother was still alive.
0: (laughs) But here's what happens is in the next game, uh, Finn becomes Electro and her power merges with the Venom her, the venom merges with the uh, tech on her arms and she shoots electricity from her arms that way. Hey, if they actually do uh, the
1: craziest thing right now and have it to where, again, this is how you actually surprise me. We were talking about that, right? Yeah. If you want to really surprise me, have it to where that didn't kill Finn, have it to where, you where know, she does become Electro, and then have it to where her change of heart that she had is, is honest. And then the way that you work this out is that the surprise is that in the next game, Electro is working with the good guys. That would be
0: awesome. That would be pretty cool. Um, that would be really cool.
1: I mean, you, you not like you haven't seen that. I mean, you know, Green Goblin occasionally has his moments where he goes around, or really Hobgoblin, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> rather, so he, but...
0: Here's my pitch for you. this Is a pitch for the second for a no, follow up to this for what would happen to Finn? Right, it's Finn and Rick merge into one, and they're both electro, but it's Rick who's been Freaky Fridayed into Finn's body, so he's angry and he's the villain because he's in- <laughs> he's that way.
1: <laughs> oh, that'd I be think interesting. I've done it. You know, I think one of the things I liked about the ending, and this is so weird because this is the very end, is it made me think of the intro to... Like, it just brought vibes much better looking and whatnot, but, you know, memory has a way of making things feel one way. Yes. Infamous 1, the beginning of that game, is a bomb goes off which causes everything that happens, and the way that the explosion kind of happens and all the electricity's in the air and whatnot as Miles is kind of pushing through hurt and damage it just makes me think of the intro to the first infamous where Cole is kind of trying to get out of the ground zero explosion zone it was just yeah. cool I don't know there's something that there, it's cool when a different piece of media can pull from an assault I don't think that was on purpose at all no, it I just don't. naturally oh, happened good. and I, I like that and it ended up making me thinking the ending was a lot cooler you know one thing it also did bring up though yes that this entire game we see miles get beat the hell up and then he walks like he's deathly hurt for two seconds and then two seconds later he has full range of movement and can move at full speed that's the power of the flip dude there was a couple times in the game where he would be like oh i'm hurt and like holding himself and being like i think finn broke some ribs and then like two minutes later he's like swinging
0: around yeah <laughs>
1: not even some time has passed in the world like the Finn one's not there but there's a couple of times where he's hurt and has a reaction and he stumbles for like two seconds talks about it and then as soon as he touches the wall he's spidering on that wall without holding like his chest i would have loved a little bit more like slow movement and make me feel like he's actually hurt because that gives me the real stakes of like this is a teenager who's really pushing himself to the edge
0: yeah the teenager who's about to die if we're not careful
1: yeah you know you were talking about how they've got to raise the stakes with the building why they want to make it to where the whole building gonna blow up miles but you can't even raise the stakes of miles as an individual by just making him actually appear hurt (laughs) but at at least they do it at the end you know at least there's that
0: (laughs) no i agree with you there so i think um that puts us in a good place to wrap up so what are your final thoughts on the story and gameplay of spider-man miles morales
1: I really enjoyed it. I think that they have... I I don't even necessarily mind, due to the price point and the expectation they set going into it, that it didn't feel like a full-blown sequel in certain ways, but it did feel like a full-blown sequel and maybe even just better than that in other ways with Miles having a completely different power set. yeah. But what my hope is and also a question I kind of have about moving forward is how do you come back from this? Because like, do you make more Miles-specific games? And if you do... Do you always have it be that Peter goes away or this is what I hope moving forward. Do you find a way to make the next Spider-Man game interweave gameplay between Peter Mm -hmm.
0: and miles? Yeah, I think what would, um, I think what would be interesting is if what they do for the next one is open up the city to be the full all five boroughs. And you could have where if you're in Harlem, you're playing as miles and Spider-Man has the rest of it. Miles can go through the rest of the city, obviously, He's a, he's a free man.
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of like
0: narrative weaving because you want it to be sensible. Well, I think the narrative weaving would be you spend most of the game with Peter because it ends up being his... I don't know because I feel like I, in a lot of ways I feel like Spider-Man 2 is going to be a co-op game, which I don't know how I feel about, but I think, I think it's going to be hard to put the Venom Genie back into the bottle because the Venom is just so much fun.
1: That's what I'm saying, and that's why I think completely pulling it to where you don't play as Miles in the next Spider-Man game would feel weird to me, unless you're going to go on and have it to where there will be Peter Spider-Man games, and there will be Miles Spider-Man games, but well, that I do feels think that's like a weird thing to do.
0: do. Yeah, I mean, I think in the comic book way, assuming they... It would be cool to have, like, Peter, then Miles, and Peter, then Miles, and then Peter and Miles, and then Peter, Miles, and Gwen, you know? You could do all that kind of stuff, which I would See, really like. I was debating that too. Like, is
1: the next move, or how how far fetched is it that we get a Spider Man Quinn Stacy?
0: It's far fetched unless they do a multiverse. So,
1: and the problem I think there though is that they're going to draw too many comparisons to the fact that the Marvel movies look like they're tapping into the multiverse and clearly spider-verse already tapped into the multiverse Mm -hmm. so does it feel rehashed
0: if they do it or is it still cool i think it would still be cool but i don't think they're gonna do it because i don't think they want to be the third of three to do the The multiverse. yeah unless it's a way for them to be like oh this is why spider-man is in marvel's avengers and it's our spider-man that's why it's playstation exclusive you know which we know is not the case (laughs)
1: sadly yeah
0: Clearly, we can we could do a story, but
1: I think more importantly, the biggest question that I'm left with at the end of this game is, what are they going to do to make a third Spider-Man game not feel rehashed in terms of the world that you're exploring?
0: Well, that's why I think I think they're going to open the Burrows. Yeah. My hope is that it's like GTA V, and I can choose which one I play as. But the thing is, that's what's going to be hard because I think from a character perspective, I would rather play as Peter Parker. But from a gameplay perspective, Miles is by far the best. So it's it's going to be a hard choice. There. Yeah,
1: I, I thought about that too. Having a game where you choose, like they're both in the story and you choose whether you play as Peter or if you play as Miles. Exactly. You know what you know would be really wild? What? Nier to this bitch. <laughs>
0: Multiple.
1: To where you go through the entire game, you go through an entire story with Peter, and then you go into a story where you – Like you know, maybe what happens is you play with as Miles Mm -hmm. with a new part of the story that still ties in, or maybe you see that whole story from Miles' perspective. But that seems a little too ambitious for this. Yeah. So I kind of have some ideas of how I think they could work on making the city feel better, and it's something I'm a little surprised they didn't do here. One of the ways that I think Batman handled it, saying because this game is very similar to the Infamous games in that they don't do much with the underground, but one thing that's weird about this is that New York clearly has subway stations and subway stations mean that there's ha there has to be stuff underground. And this game teases it like Roxanne making secret subway passages and storages in subways and whatnot. I think one of the ways that you could kind of break things up is to introduce the ability to bring Spider-Man into a close quarters. And I know that normally they don't do that because you want mm-hmm. to be able to swing around it everywhere, but I don't think it's that crazy to change it up by bringing us into underground environments and letting us see what comes from that because I think it worked in Arkham Knight and I think it can work in other games as well to where maybe you don't have as much movement from the outside of the city, but you can change how much you control you have vertically and whatnot. Like maybe something that the Marvel's Adventures game brought in is like the idea of like big ships that you could bring Spider-Man into that may be over new york and that's a way for you to change the environment but if they were going to maybe introduce the multiverse then you could do uh, what another game did which i don't know if you played it did you ever hear or see spider-man shattered dimensions yes so that game introduced the system to where the way they changed it up even though it wasn't an open world is to have four very different worlds that you go between for each of the four different spider-man And I would personally love to see what it would be like to go into 2099 and be able to swing around a world that's New York in 2099. What won't happen. It seems unlikely.
0: (sighs) I would play that, though. Yeah, I think that's all for me. So unless you have anything else you'd like to say about Spider-Man Miles Morales, Brett, I think we can get ourselves out of here
1: yeah no that's it i mean i enjoyed it so i hope everyone else enjoys it i hope yes. if you're playing it on ps4 it's not giving you any problems and seems like it has not from everyone i've talked to about it so
0: yeah and if you're playing on ps5 don't let it break your console and get your platinums <laughs> i think that yeah that's about that about does it for this week's episode of triangle squared uh spoiler chats me and you brett we decided that next month we'll put out an episode on a game you really like and a game that I have been boycotting since it released, uh, near Automata. (laughs) Yeah. So if you guys want to take the opportunity to play that
1: throughout the next month, then you have quite a bit of time to play it and go through it. Uh, I urge you, if you're listening to this, when you see the first bit of credits, keep playing. It's not done. You'll know (laughs) when it's done, I promise you. So that's true of you too, Chris. Keep playing. If If you're not playing for roughly at least 20 to 25 hours you're not done so there's that but it'll be really interesting to see you come to that because chris's boycotting was over the trophy system in the game yes it was i voted with my wallet we'll save that for the main episode so we will Well, guys, thank you for joining us. Hope you're still enjoying this new series. And it is new, the Spoiler Chat series. So your feedback, I think, is more important now to us than ever. If there's something that you like that we're doing, please let us know so that we can continue to do that or refine it. And if there's something that you wish we would do better or think we could do better or that we're not doing at all, please let us know. It helps shape the show to be something that you enjoy listening to and, uh, and, of course, that we may enjoy making even more. So feedback is always good. We are part of if you're not familiar for some reason you're just hopping in now a playstation weekly podcast or i am me and my buddy saul are the hosts for that we come out every monday at uh, 10 a.m pst and 12 p.m cst where we talk about playstation all the news going on you can find us there and listen to that uh, if you want to keep us to this show this will be a once a month show with the occasional bonus episode like this one is so please continue to follow that And lastly, if you want to support this show and us with more than just your time, which we are always grateful for, you can head over to patreon.com slash nartech and get episodes of this show early, as well as midweek matinee, our weekly movie podcast early that you can find every Wednesday. And of course, you can just support us and help us keep the show afloat. So head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider becoming a patron. Lastly, we always support our patrons or shout them out rather for their support. And we'd like to start off with our newest patron, Mr. Rich. Then we have Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, My Name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Viliobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Joshua Lago, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer. Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, Tyler B., and last but certainly not least, Richard Schaefer. Thank you all so much for your ongoing support, and we hope you are doing well. Thanks.